I think that you're slowly but surely making me realize that the media is so biased and can twist things so easily. So you mm-hmm. have to do your own research. Yeah. And dig. Mm-hmm. And you can't just take things at face value. Does it make me feel any differently about New York Times? Not necessarily. Welcome back to episode three of the Overtone Window podcast. You know the drill. I'm in the media world. Delaney is in the... Education world. Yeah, probably the more nobler pursuit. Perhaps. Let's see what's on my Twitter feed this week. So, you have two here. Let's start with the one below it, where you commented and said, what a mess, and it includes a link to a New York Times um, tweet. That says, Trump lashed out at undocumented immigrants during a White House meeting, calling those trying to breach the country's borders animals. And his direct quote, President Trump's direct quote said, you wouldn't believe how bad these people are. These aren't people, these are animals, and we're taking them out of the country at a level and at a rate that's never happened before. Right. And if you read that at face value, it seems like another one of his shithole country comments right and you're just like seriously again calling these people animals but then you follow up and you include a tweet that says the ambiguous clip yeah so i tweeted the actual clip of donald trump saying you know what the new york times reported he's he's saying and it's from cnn not gonna do the whole clip but it says these aren't people these are animals Trump says in response to a question about the MS-13 gang during his roundtable on sanctuary cities because of the weak laws, they come in fast, which I think is really important to qualify that he was answering a question about the MS-13 gang. So I think we should talk a little bit about the MS-13 gang. Right. So, I mean, definitely part of the what is a mess is when the New York Times clipped that quote and put that as a headline in a tweet immediately the conservative blue check marks of twitter descended upon that headline and said oh you know taking trump out of context typical like this is a new york times line mm-hmm. and i don't know if there's a new york times line but they certainly have a point where it's like well that is a nuanced like clip and the way you only included x amount of that quote can people infer something slightly different than what he's referring to, which he's responding to a question about Mexican gangs. Kind of reminds me of where we almost ended last week. Right, which is the media mm-hmm. will just pick you apart. Yeah, and take those specific pieces and use them to their advantage. Oh, yeah. The New, York, New York Times is not above this. Mm-hmm. They're all a little sleazy. So, because if I read that at face value, I'd be like, eye roll, like, oh my gosh, he said something else terrible. But once I started to understand better what the context was, right. I almost am like, okay, I kind of agree with right. what he's saying. Kind of <laughs> see, how, <laughs> see how the media can be tricky? Yeah. Like, so, let, I think just to make sure everyone now knows what he was talking about, we should talk a little bit about the MS-13 gang. Yeah. So, I don't know slew about the ms-13 gang i know they're one of the more um shall we say ugly cartels of mexico um and they straddle the mexico american border i think around texas well actually they are notoriously brutal okay and what they do and their slogan is like rape kill control 
Really? Yeah, and so they're notorious for like these massive, massive like massacres of like killing people and raping them. And, okay. And they like I was reading an article from the New Yorker about this girl whose father was killed by them. Okay. In El Salvador, mm-hmm. and then her, her mother testified mm-hmm. against them, and then they've been on the run ever since. And they ended up making it to Brentwood, New Jersey. Oh. And they were followed. Or, like, people that are in the MS-13 gang, like, sought them out in New Jersey and just keep following them. I didn't finish the article, but I was like, that's so crazy. Wait, the MS- MS-13 members went all the way up to New Jersey? No, so MS-13 members are everywhere now, oh, right? okay, yeah. Um, it says that in, they originated in Los Angeles in the 1980s, and... Um, now they're just everywhere. So there's El Salvadorians. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's terrifying. I agree. So you you would say that in some ways the harsh language Trump used about these gang members is is warranted. Yes, but I wouldn't think that everyone crossing the border that is undocumented is an MS-13 gang member. Right. I would agree. But the question was directly about right MS-13 gang members. Right. I agree. And just like another tweet said so yeah yeah it's a, it's a cold world out there i would say trump is not using the best language but in reference to ms13 gang members you're gonna give him a pass on this one yes, yeah, yeah definitely and i hope that more people like take the time to read the context of it because it's easy to do exactly like what the new york times is trying to do right and for us to get angry because yeah, so, I mean, what do you think of the New York Times, now that you know the full context of that quote, what do you th- how do you feel about the New York Times doing that? Does it surprise you, not surprise you? I think that you're slowly but surely making me realize that the media is so biased and can twist things so easily, so you mm-hmm. have to do your own research yeah. and dig, mm-hmm. and you can't just take things at face value. Yeah. Um. Does it make me feel any differently about New York Times? Not necessarily. I don't necessarily have a preferred news outlet either. It's not like I'm going to be like, oh, I'm not going to read the New York Times anymore. Right. And I think that's I think that's good. I would say, like, don't let that discourage you from reading the New York Times. These like, news organizations are so um, partitioned sometimes. So, like, the person that writes the actual article that, that that tweet is linking to is different than the person that's writing that headline copy that's actually going out on the tweet. There's like different jobs and sometimes they don't communicate with each other. Mm-hmm. Sometimes there's like cross incentives where like the social curator for the New York Times is given an article about Trump and MS-13 and whatever happened that day in that quote. And they're like, well, I want to get the most clicks possible out of this, this right. tweet. So they're going to go try to like really play to a certain demographic. Okay. So it's it's just, as you're saying, like being wary of the vested interests that all media companies have, right. whether it'll be on the left and the right, and to, I can to get your attention. And I can tell that New York Times is definitely on the left. Right. They. Yeah. For sure. Mm-hmm. Okay. Should we keep moving on? Moving along. Let's talk about the Elon Musk thing. Just okay. a change of pace. You want to talk Trump. about Elon Musk? Yeah. Okay. What did I tweet about Elon Musk? I forgot. So you retweeted two things about Elon Musk. First, just to do it in sequential order, is. A link to an article, the Washington Post, with the headline, Tesla with autopilot slams into a truck stopped at a red light. Mm-hmm. And Elon, who is the CEO, CEO, 
says it's super messed up that a Tesla crash resulting in a broken ankle is front page news and the approximately 40,000 people who died in US auto accidents alone in past year get almost no coverage. And then he moved, he also said, what's actually amazing about this accident is that a Model S hit a fire truck at 60 miles per hour and the driver only broke an ankle. An impact at that speed usually results in severe injury or death. I think first, and I think that there's like two things that we can kind of talk about with this. First, just this move forward to self-driving cars. Mm-hmm. Do you have any thoughts on them? Do you think that eventually in the future, all cars will be self-driving? Yes. Well, 95% of them. I mean, I think good old-fashioned non-computerized cars will be like a luxury hobby item that people will have eventually. But I think it'll totally saturate the market. Yes, eventually. How do you feel about that? Oh, I'm ready for it. Yeah. Feel great about it. Um, why? In terms of like my own personal efficiency, I think driverless cars are great. I think like traffic will move smoother. I think people will be able to get around faster. I think people will be able to economize cars better. Just for example, rather than having like if you have kids and you're like, oh, I gotta wake up and I gotta like drop my kids off at school and then I gotta like pick them up and then I gotta go drive to work and you know, all this and that. No, you don't. The kids will just get in the car. The car will drive the kids to school. Then it'll drive itself back. Then you'll get oh, in the car. Oh, that terrifies me. And then it'll drop you off at work and then it'll go home and then your husband, you know, it'll go pick up your husband and drop him off that terrifies you yeah why there's so in my brain there's so much room for error or like someone to stop this car and take these kids what yeah what are you do you or the car is at a stop like a stoplight and the kids just get taken or this car this car this computer decides to kidnap the kids i don't Okay. I don't think the car is going to be kidnapping the kids. And how often when you're driving the car do you feel like you're about to get carjacked? Grand Theft Auto. But that's because I'm a human being controlling the car. Right. But you're saying somebody will come in and snag the kids out of the car? Maybe. Can they do that when you're in the car anyway? No, because I'm in there. It's this perceived protection because there's a, this human being that's um, in there and taking care of these kids. And it's like you know, mama bear with her cubs. Whereas if the kids are in there alone and there's no mama bear, also like who to say these kids are mature enough to be alone in a car and be driven to school? Like at what age would you allow your car to drive your kids to school without you in it? Three, you know, kindergarten, preschool. You, be like, much safer. you know much nothing safer. you know nothing about kids then or raising kids a three-year-old child cannot be left to its own devices Wait, it gets in a bus if it's capable of getting at on three a bus. years old you do not get in a bus i'm sorry well don't kids start, whenever kids start riding buses kindergarten i can get in the driverless car so fifth grade F- five, years, five years yeah, old right I, five years old however but at five years old they're with other kids and there's an adult figure on the bus is the bus driver always like adult figure? You know that solid, but there's the comfort of you going to the bus stop with your child, watching them get on the bus, and there being an adult. You don't know there. that bus. That bus driver could go drive off a cliff. He could go steal your own kids. Machines right. don't make mistakes in the same way humans do. The machine is never tired. The machine is never texting. The machine is never stressed about the divorce or this or that or like road rage. It's following the speed limit. It's not texting and driving. It's not tired. It's not missing signals. It's much safer. Yeah, okay. But what happens when there's a glitch or something goes wrong or it gets hijacked? Well, okay. I mean, I'm, I can't account for, I don't think nothing will ever go wrong. Certainly things will go wrong, but it's a cost-benefit analysis. And I think human error 
I think statistically we've showed this, whether it be like in airplanes or cars or anytime humans are involved, human error is always the majority statistical fault. I agree with that, but I would still want to be in the car with my kids, even if a computer is driving them to school. Okay. Well, when they're 15 and you're tired and you're like, oh, 15, like I don't want to go pick up my kids. Yeah, because they're by the car, time... The car's going to go pick them up. I'm tired. By the I'm getting time my, I'm getting I my nails 15, done. I'm going to get a iced tea. Okay, and just I'm not, not going to go drink an iced tea. Just me. I think you know that. Okay, drink a, a Chardonnay. You, I also don't like white wine. They're all just right, stop. All right, all right. As, <laughs> you, you're a safe. Be, a beverage safe, of your choice. Your safe bet was hot tea, like of all things. That's the safe bet, okay? Now, <laughs> anyways, when, I wouldn't worry at 15 at all because I could drive a car at 15, yeah. That's fine. But anyway, yeah, I'd rather have my 15-year-old sitting in an automated car than my 15-year-old driving the car. Okay, this that makes sense. However, your previous argument about the three-year-olds in the car by themselves does not stand. Okay, that's fine. I'll concede on that one. Okay. You can well, drive the three-year-old. Let's continue on, I guess, talking about the driverless cars. But he kind of <laughs> brings to light the media. Mm-hmm. And how they're focusing on this almost minor thing. They broke an ankle. Yeah. And there's a lot of other things that could have been discussed. And that I guess it was front page news. Is that worthy of front page news? What do you think the Washington Post was trying to do with that one? Well, I'm of two minds. I agree with Elon Musk's sentiment about mm-hmm. like, you know, there's 40,000 car crashes all the time. Simmer down here. It's not a big deal. And he's true. This Tesla crash is not a big deal in the grand scheme of things. But you're kind of just like barking into the void. Elon Musk, the media, you know, 40,000 car crashes a year is old news. It happens every year. Nobody cares about that. What people do care about is, oh, Tesla. That had a car crash. That is newsworthy. Ooh, people want to hear about Tesla. Right. And the news knows that. Nobody wants to hear about the latest Ford F-150 crash in Minnesota. You know, who cares? Right. People want to hear about Tesla. Oh. You know, what's interesting actually is... I was talking to my dad about this over spring break. So this was early April. And at that point in time, there had been two car crashes by self-driving cars. But the wild thing is that there's been drivers in all of these. And my understanding was that each of these drivers could have stopped the crash. Is that true or false? I, I don't know offhand. I believe one of them happened in the dark and at a speed that like... In reality, no, the human's reaction. Like, a machine can react faster than a human. Okay. So I think it's a little bit of a false narrative to be like, oh, the human could have done that. Why did Got it. Just because the human's there doesn't mean the outcome would have changed necessarily, right? If the machine was operating properly, a machine should be able to, like, break the car faster than a human. Its reaction time is a nanosecond versus mm-hmm. your human having to be like, oh, there's a deer in the dark. What is that? Yeah. Well, because I guess I was bringing that to light. Yeah. Why do you, why do you ask, I guess? Well, I don't, but I think that continues to solidify, no, strengthen your argument that human error right. is a bigger concern ultimately than computer error in a yeah. sense. Like, why didn't they slam on the brakes? Point. Right. Like, I think those 40,000 a year car crashes that we're so used to that they don't even make the news will seem outrageous 100 years from now. When people like 40,000 people died in cars, like now five people, five right. people die a year. Like that's insane, grandpa. 
It's like, yeah, people just got in the car. They were like zipping 90. Everybody was just like taking photos on Snapchat. And like, it was just, right. it was the wild west out there. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I think though on the economic side, because driving cars has been a huge, like it's a source of income for so it's many people. It's the largest employer in the United States. The right. Auto, like um, transportation industry is. Especially with the advent of Uber, Lyft. Well, just think about our entire like supply chain logistics of like getting stuff into stores. That's all driven by trucks. So what's going to happen? Well, they'll be out of a job. Okay, but what do you think is needs to come and take that place? Like computer programming? Uh, I don't know. I mean, new industries and jobs emerge all the time. It's just like a shift, just a paradigm shift in our like economy mm-hmm. i guess we don't have to have all the i mean there's answers to the questions right we i mean need like to ask them. <laughs> horse razors used to be like a massive industry and like people that could like know how to like ride the horses for all the carriages and you know that was a you know yeah there was a lot less people back then though right but in 1905 they thought like oh my gosh you know how are we going to come up with the all these horses to meet the demand of the next 20 years and then the automobile came along and the entire horse industry was put out of work and yeah, it sucked for a little while, but meanwhile, the MTA will still just be 50 yeah. years behind. Yeah. The so. MTA. <laughs> okay. Let's move on to another tweet. Alec retweeted a video. Somebody, I don't know how to say their name. Yonki, I would presume. I've forgotten what I tweeted. So I don't, I don't know. Yeah. It is, that must be in Arabic, right? I think that's Hebrew. Hebrew. Well, you're right. It's definitely Hebrew. It says, but the guy speaks in English and says, a miracle in Gaza, the man with the crutches suddenly started running. And it's a video. I presume this is at the border. Uh, Correct. uh, Between Gaza and the West Bank. Or is that, can you? Between Israel and the the West Bank. Okay. Because I hear those words, those phrases a lot. Like those regions. Sorry, probably Gaza and Israel, not the West Bank. So what's the West Bank? So the Palestinian land, the Palestinian territory, are divided up into two non-contiguous areas. The Gaza Strip and the West Bank. Okay. Okay. You're right. I'm envisioning it at this moment. And the West Bank borders... Jerusalem. Jerusalem. And that is where the protests are occurring. Correct. And this is at... This video is shot at the West Bank. Well, you know, you got me. You've... Confused. No, you haven't confused me. You've made me realize I probably tweeted this without really doing enough research uh because of course it's famously the gaza strip and hamas that resides in the gaza strip but the gaza strip isn't near jerusalem which is where we just moved the capital and the u.s embassy mm-hmm. the west bank borders jerusalem protests are they actually in gaza or were they at the were they at jerusalem i'm not i'm not entirely sure somewhere in the in the israeli palestinian territories protests were taking place this this week but in this clip, you see some Palestinians protesting as part of the like as part of the protest riot, whatever you want to call it. There's a man with a, a Palestinian man with crutches, you know, hobbling along, and then as soon as like some some gunshots are heard, you see this guy suddenly start running away with the crutches, and is it's like, well, wait a minute, this was a total phony. Right. He was just acting mm-hmm. uh, like he was crippled, and you know, playing it up for the media. Oh, look at the poor Palestinians. Oh, and well, you know, it's totally fine. Right. Um, I guess I wanted to just clear up that there's protests happening both on the West Bank and in the Gaza Strip. Yes, you, you search that. Yeah. Okay. 
So, well, I think we should kind of talk about what's going on. And you already articulated that um, the U.S. moved its embassy from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem this Monday, right? Yeah. This week. Yeah, this week. And that's like huge news, really. Right. Well, the U.S. has lots of repercussions. There's kind of a domino effect Mm -hmm. where in the 90s, I believe, Israel declared Jerusalem their capital and nobody really acknowledged it. Everybody just acknowledged Tel Aviv as Israel's capital. Trump administration finally acknowledged that Israel is claiming Jerusalem as their capital, and the U.S. officially recognized that. And as being its capital, it's moving its embassy. The U.S. is moving its embassy to, quote-unquote, Israel's new capital, Jerusalem. This caused controversy. And other people have followed, like, I know Guatemala. Right, yeah, the, the lackeys of the United States foreign policy have followed suit. And where would the Palestinians like to be? Well, this this is the never-ending quagmire of whose land is whom's. So you have, like, basically Israel, the country, right. and then two unincorporated territories that are dominated by um, slightly different Palestinian governments, but aren't considered countries. It's confusing. And it's deeply confusing. Who's fighting? Why are there two sides? What are the two sides, and why are they... Well, the Palestinians see it as an encroachment upon their land. Okay. By Israel declaring all of Jerusalem their capital, whereas I think in the original agreement, Jerusalem was supposed to be bifurcated. There's supposed to be an East Jerusalem, which is like the Palestinians, and then a Western Jerusalem, which was the Israelis. Israel has just gone ahead and kind of grabbed all of Jerusalem. When did the conflict begin, right? Because I know that one of the things that Trump is saying, this is supposed to be moving peace talks forward, right. which doesn't seem to be the case i mean the conflict has kind of always been around but uh it picked up initial momentum after world war one when the british empire started carving up territories and giving land back to people quote unquote um and then it really picked up steam after world war ii and so it's been like a long oh yeah long thing been many wars do you foresee a solution do you have any ideas of what would bring peace well if you take i mean my own opinion is a bit of a cynical depressing one but just looking in the long view of how things work out historically israel is the stronger economy nation more organized etc 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 and over time israel will just slowly absorb all the palestinian land and eventually you know the angers of your forefathers and forefathers and forefathers will fade away and it'll just just seem the way things are and people stop really remembering why they're mad Mm. and it'll just become the status quo where you know now there's just palestinians in israel Okay. And I, you know, if that takes another 50 years, 100 years, but I, that, I don't think there will be some two-state solution. Israel will just eventually absorb the Palestinian land. Now I'm going to get like flamed for saying this, mm-hmm. but eh, you know, I'm not. I mean, I'm not even saying that makes it right. Right. You, like you're just asking me, what do I think will eventually happen? And that's what I just think will happen, right or wrong. Mm-hmm. Just looking at how things play out historically in the past. Right. Um. This is a change of pace, but I think that. It might be interesting. I'd like to hear. This is a change of pace, but I'd like to hear your um your own story. So I'm gonna. Alec retweeted a tweet, and there was the original tweet said by whoever pre-order is, but says what's the most cringeworthy thing a guy you've dated has done, 
And the girl said, went on a date to the cinema, and the cinema was empty because it was late. He gets out his phone, opens Snapchat, and starts recording, saying, yeah, we rented out the whole cinema. You know what it is. Yeah, I just thought that was funny. But it made a nice, funny anecdote. So I'm trying to think about the most cringeworthy thing that a guy has done. Mm-hmm. And what comes to mind? Well, I haven't dated that many people. Mm-hmm. So I don't have that many cringeworthy stories. Come on, you gotta come up with one. The viewers wanna know. No. You can't, you can't bring up the topic and then <laughs> not know, give the viewers I know, what they I know, I know. I wish that I had like, I guess the thing that comes to mind most recently is having gone on a date and the dinner was like $180, which was A, ridiculous and not necessary. And then B, the thing that was cringeworthy was that he tried to leave a $10 tip. Yeah, was that like 5%? Yeah. Well, maybe he didn't, and maybe he didn't think it was going to be 180 and he only had like $190. And he was like, oh. Well, then I was like, I'll totally split this with you. Because he's the one that kept ordering the food. And right. I was like, I don't want all this food. I don't know what you're doing. Right. And you then told him that? basically, I was like, you don't need to order all the food. That's unnecessary. Yeah. And then at the end, we had all this food left. And the waiter was like, do you want to take it home? And he said, no. And I was like, are you kidding me? Like, yeah, I'm going to take this food home. Mm-hmm. And then got the check and it was $180 which yeah that was insane I was like well let me split this with you I feel terrible that it was this expensive and he was like no 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 and then he leaves a $10 tip and I was like at least let me leave the tip Mm -hmm. did you tell him that yes you said let me leave the tip let me leave the tip and he said no I'm and I was like well you cannot leave $10 yes (laughs) yes I did said you can't you can't do that like what did he say he's like oh, I guess I'm just bad at math. And I'm like, well, I'm a math teacher, so you cannot leave $10 on a $180 dinner. That made me cringe. So, yeah. I mean, but that's just how I am. Like, I pay attention to things like that. Uh, yeah, well, that's not bad. Whereas I think for this girl's story, some girls might have been like, oh, no, it was so cute that he rented the whole thing. The cringeworthy part is him opening the Snapchat. But he, but he didn't rent the whole thing, did he? I think it was just like him faking it to his Snapchat followers because he saw the opportunity. <laughs> See, That's what I'm, I interpreted as the cringeworthy you're right. thing. No, you're right. I'm very naive. And I was like, maybe he did rent no, the whole thing. No, this dude surveyed and was like, you know what? I'm, this is a perfect marketing opportunity. You're right. True. <laughs> I just, you know, try to see the good in everybody. Okay. Well, looks like that's wrapping it up for episode three of mm-hmm. the Overtone Window podcast. Where are we on your opinion of Twitter? Checking back in? Um. Scale one to ten, what do you think of Twitter? I still am like, whatever, five. This moved up by one point. It did move up you since gave last it a week. four last week. I did. It moved up. We're back at five. We're back at five. I'm not. I'm still not getting a Twitter. Okay. And um, that's about it. Tune yeah. back in next week for more. And uh, tweet us if you have any questions you want us to answer. What do we tweet at? At Bostwicky. How do you spell Bostwicky? Oh, they know it. B-O-S-T-W-I-K-I. Oh, they know it. Yeah. Because everybody knows me. I'm verified with my blue check. I mean, do you have a blue check? I don't have a Twitter. I don't need a Twitter to validate who I am as a person. Good for you. <laughs> you know, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs>